If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this super special announcement version. Ooh, Easter eggs in here. Of uh, Mind Pump. So for the first 45 minutes, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, but we do our fun introductory part of the episode conversation. So we start out by talking about my daughter's unicorn pencil meltdown. Uh, it was good times at the DiStefano household last night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just what it's like uh, to be a parent. Oh, kids. Uh, we talked about uh, our staff member, Rachel, and her experience with Organifi's Pure. She actually drank it, worked out, and freaked out over how awesome she felt, contacted all of us, and it's like, what is in this Pure? Uh, it's pretty freaking awesome. And it is pretty awesome. Now, Organifi is the company that makes Pure. It's a nootropic supplement, but they also make other products like their green juice, uh, which is for overall health, red juice, great pre-workout, gold juice for evenings and relaxation. Of course, they have uh, vegan organic protein powders. Anyway, we got you a fat discount. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash mind pump, and if you use the code mind pump, you'll get 20% off. Um, and then along those lines, uh, Adam talked about how Four Sigmatic is having one of their only big sales of the year. Now, Four Sigmatic is the premier supplement company when it comes to mushroom-based products. They use a, a, a process that does both uh, liquid water extraction, uh, heat extraction. You get all of the beneficial compounds from mushrooms. These guys know their shit. My favorite product from Four Sigmatic is Cordyceps. I love the way it makes me feel. When it worked out, well, here's what's going on right now. The sale is live now. Products are already up to 50% off. This is crazy. Here's the best part. If you use our code, you can slap an additional 15% off all of their sale products. So if it's 50% off, you'll add our 15% off. 15 plus 50 is 65. I can do math. Whoa. Uh, so again, they're our sponsor. If you go to 4 Sigmatic, that's spelled F-O-U-R-S-I-G. M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump. You'll get massive, massive discounts. Then I give my recommended supplement stack. And then here's the exciting thing. Adam has an incredible announcement. He's got a- Wait for it. What do they call it? A bun in the oven? Is Is that that it? A bun in the oven. Gonna have to find out. You didn't give it away? Gonna have to find out. Find out the gender. Super secret. Yeah, find out what's going on. Uh, Then we get into the fitness questions. Uh, The first question was, uh, what are our thoughts- on the overhead squat, uh, this is a very, very difficult movement. Do we ever incorporate it into our clients' workouts? Do we do them ourselves? What are the benefits? What are the risks? Should you be doing them? The next fitness question is, uh, what are our go-to techniques to elicit long-term behavior changes in clients? If you're a fitness professional or a trainer, or if you yourself are somebody who's trying to change your long-term behaviors, there's a lot of wisdom in that part of the episode. I mean, collectively, we've worked with clients for, what is that, 40 years? Uh, More, 50 years. So uh, great information there. Next question, um, if you build muscle with a certain amount of volume, is that the same amount of volume you need to maintain in order to keep your muscle? You might be surprised at the answer to that question. And the final question, uh, this is a personal trainer. When they're meeting a potential client, like, how do I get them to hire me? Like, what do I say? What do I talk about? Um, so we give some good fitness advice for all of you trainers and aspiring personal trainers on how to build 
your business. And if you're not a trainer, you'll like the communication tips that we give in there as well. Remember, effective sales is nothing more than just effective communication, and all of us can benefit from communicating better. Also, I'd like to share with you something that's pretty awesome. Our MAPS performance program is 50% off. So we designed this program to sculpt and shape a person in a balanced way. What we Mm. did basically is the avatar that we created, that we tried to create a program around, was a all-around overall awesome athlete. Mm. So somebody who can run like fast. An American gladiator. Someone who can jump high, someone who's got lots of strength, lots of agility, somebody who's got lots of stamina. Like what would that person look like? Well, they look very balanced. In fact, they would look like an ancient athlete, like those sculptures that you see uh, of the Greek gods where they have well-developed core muscles, muscular legs, strong shoulders and upper backs. Um, that's how you're going to look if you follow mass performance and you have a good nutrition protocol. But even more importantly, that's how you're going to move. You're going to build maximal strength. You're going to build incredible agility, strength, endurance. Um, You're going to build the ability to move in different planes of motion. This workout is not a traditional workout. Lots of different exercises, lots of movements you're probably not familiar with, lots of movements that incorporate the entire body. It's a movement-based workout. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and it's 50% off. All you got to do is go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-E-N-5-0, to get the discount. On that site, you can also get information about our other MAPS programs, and we have a lot of them, and they're all extremely valuable. Make sure you go check them out. Tell me what happened last night with your with your oh, daughter with the unicorn God. pencil. I was dying. I was <laughs> I never, dying laughing oh, till yeah. Katrina. Oh, oh. my. So God. how did it go down? Well, no, so I go, I get, I go pick up my kids. Life of a daughter, right here. Right? It's this just is, kids. This bro. is daughters. Uh, you, this you, is daughter shit, right it's here, bro. Kids, bro. I go pick her up. Yeah, there's some boy stuff and there too. I pick her up and um, from school. Yeah, they, you know, I pick them up from school, and um, you know, they get in the car and we're driving off, and we're, I don't know, like three seconds down the street. So I haven't even. I barely left the school parking lot. Oh my God. I'm like, what? 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 And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, like, what's going on? I forgot my unicorn pencil. Turn around right now. Turn around. I'm like, listen. I said, calm. Like middle of the freeway. Down. We're okay. Oh, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because you're freaking out. Calm down. Okay. Okay. Go get my unicorn pencil. I need my unicorn. I said, we're going to go. We're going to go look. But if the door's locked, then there's nothing we can do about it. Because we literally, I picked her up right when they are closing the doors, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I go back and go up to the door. It's locked. Loses her mind. <laughs> Loses her mind. Over a unicorn no, pencil. No, it's special to me. Yeah. Ah, she's freaking out. And I'm like, I'm trying to calm her down. And I'm like, listen, you, you can't. And I said, I'm not going to listen to you if you keep freaking out. Yeah. So I said, and so she's like, so then it gets into the whole, because she's nine, right? So she's getting to the teenage. It's coming up. It's going to happen soon. To that teenage attitude. Oh, you man. ruined my life. <laughs> you made my life so hard. Why do you ruin my life? You left it. <laughs> yeah, why don't you care about me? I can't believe you don't care about me. I'm like, I will get you 10 unicorn pencils <laughs> right. on Let Amazon. The store right now. Yeah, like it's not a problem. Like, no, this one's special. Uh, yeah. Freaking out. So I'm like, oh my God, dude. So I left her, I just left her downstairs. And she just, she lost her voice. That's how long and hard <laughs> wow. she lost her mind for. I've so. had that happen with a, a coat. 
that uh, <laughs> yeah, my youngest left at Taekwondo and they had closed shop. Well, I could feel I could be a little more attached to a coat. I feel yeah. like. Because, yeah, I mean, he because, freaked out though. I mean, he was like just beside himself, bro. I couldn't calm him down. Yeah, kids just they just do that. Yeah, it's like getting this like thought process that they can't. Get you're out deal. Of. What you're dealing with with a kid a lot of the times is a is a it, they're like in a, they're humans, so similar to you or I, except they're completely irrational. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all it is. They don't so, have those governings yet. Yeah, so it's like how to it's, control that. You're dealing with a crazy human being sometimes. Right. Not always, but sometimes you're just like, okay, this makes no. There's no reason for you to lose your mind so much. The yeah. development like, of self awareness irrational isn't there yeah. yet. Yeah, and then that doesn't work. No, so I tell her I know. that. I said, I said, I look, <laughs> I look. Exactly I, I said you're being completely irrational, and that's when she's like, you're ruining my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they turn it right back on you. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, you're the one that did everything. And I can't. I'm like thinking. I'm looking at her while she's losing her mind. I'm like, is this gonna be worse? Now does. does- <laughs> Oh Did, no! When this goes down oh, like this, man. does does Jessica try and intervene, or does she just stay? Jessica's out? A, is is brilliant with kids, like very very good with kids. So she comes home after she whispers in there. After I'm gonna my, smack the shit out of you, yeah. if you don't keep, <laughs> dude. Old school. We talked about this. There's like there's like old school Sicilian. I'm a chick. In me. I will whoop yeah. the shit out yeah. of you. No, dude. In, the inside of me is like, uh, you know, I want to like, I don't know, destroy her property. Like, oh, you want to act crazy? I'm gonna smash your dollhouse. You have nothing. I'm gonna burn stuff. Yeah. Now you can <laughs> cry. Uh, you know, but. No, I didn't. I didn't do any of that. No, Jessica comes home after she's been, you know, my daughter's been freaking out for a good, I don't know, solid fifteen minutes in a row, and she sat down and talked to her. And now here's the part where everybody feels bad, right? She talks to her, has a good conversation with her. This is why she's like, a, she's like a child whisperer. Um, and I come downstairs, and she, you know, Jessica takes me aside, and she's like, today her friend told her, uh, her friend told her she didn't want to, you know, be friends with her anymore. Um, and then she took a test and she didn't feel like she did very well on the test. She, she, she said that she felt dumb. And of course now I feel like the biggest asshole in the world. Right. So I'm like, oh, right. there's fuck. all these other factors yeah. attached yeah. to that. But yeah. at the end of the day, you freaked out over a pencil. So right. Really, so. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. So, but she does, yeah, she does, she does talk to her. So anyway, dude, did you hear what Rachel said about the Organifi Pure? I, she tried it yesterday. She told me first time. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, she loved it. She goes working she, out here too. Her huh? literal words are, she goes, um, I tried the pure. What's in that? Yeah. I'm like, and of course, is you- this supposed to do something? No, of yeah. course. Sal's favorite, and I watched you do this for your birthday. Did you see me fuck with my cousin? He loves <laughs> because everybody comes to him for advice nutritionally, right? So everyone <laughs> he abuses. He power does sometimes. abuse. It. He totally does too. Yeah. You know, now that I've been around long enough, I see it every uh, time. Anytime you expect that now first. Oh, totally. Like yeah. he, now, it doesn't work with me because I've seen it and I know it's coming. Right, so I don't even waste my time asking him anymore because I'm just I know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, gonna get, yeah. I'm gonna know I'm gonna get a scare fucking first. I have to you know, first like, check on what? the internet and then you, ask him. You yeah. took the small wrapper one? Yeah, that's what I told Bro, <laughs> you're not supposed to. Dude, you know what's how in, are you feeling? You Is know what's in there? Right yeah, now? yeah, right. No, so, no, what did I, I do? So. I don't remember what I did with my cousin. I think it was, I, he asked me It was for, the charcoal. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the charcoal. We we're all getting ready to drink, and he's like, uh, I took those two pills you gave me, and you go, wait, wait. Did you, you take the black ones? You took the it? black ones? Yeah. No, no, no. You weren't supposed to take those. And he's like, huh? Huh? Oh, my God. What's, what is it going to do? What's it's, happening? I, and I see it all happening. I'm like, you dick. I told him, I'm like, that's got I'm like, fucking- this is your family. They still don't know you by now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've only been around for four years, and I know. That's why it makes, I mean, family, yes. Oh, you kind of have to do my that. My favorite is still, to this day, if, just thinking about it brings a smile to my face. My cousin, my cousin he FaceTimed me from the pool. And he, my brother, him and my brother are on the pool laughing, like, yeah, we're having a great time. And then 
my cousin turns around and I see these circle hickeys down his back. And so I'm like, so I, I'm, oh, you have to get them. Yeah. So I looked at my brother. I'm like, and I knew what those are. He got, he had cupping obviously. Yeah. So, but he didn't know that cupping makes those hickey marks on his back. So I said, okay. I said, Hey, to my brother, I'm like, Joe, I'm like, what's on the back of Alex's, what's on Alex's back? And my brother goes, huh? He goes, what is that? So he goes, Alex, you got something on your back. And my cousin Alex, who had the fucking cupping, didn't realize that that's what it does. So he turns around. He's like, what? And he's like, what's on my back? So now they're freaking out and I know what's going on. Yeah. So he, I'm like, did you get any alternative health treatments <laughs> recently? <laughs> he presents it like that. Yeah. He's like, well, I did. I, I, Certain parasites leave marks. Yeah, he's like, well, I, like this. he's like, I had cupping done. On, on, I'm like, was it on your back? He goes, yeah. I'm like, did you take any herbs? He goes, yeah, they gave me some herbs and stuff. I'm like, holy shit, dude. I'm like, you did a reaction. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, uh, I want you to take your pulse right now and count your pulse for 10 seconds and then, or for six seconds, multiply it times 10. Is it over 100? Now, of course, it's going to be over 100. He's already freaking out, right? Yeah. So he's taking his pulse. He's like, he goes, it's 120. I said, lay down. I said, oh my God. Yeah. I said, lay down. Let me go get some water. You, that might be a sign of some organ failure. Lay down. So now he's on his back. Organ failure. Yeah. Damn, dude. So now he's on his back. And I told my brother, I said, put your hand on his stomach and put your hand put on his chest. Hand. Rub it slowly like, in a circular I'm fashion. like, help him belly breathe. Help him belly breathe. Yeah. I said, give him a second, and so they're freaking out, and then I just start cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both, fuck you, man. That's so Such great. A, you know, speaking of supplements, uh, so Four Sigmatic's running this thing right now. So they only do this three times a year. Oh, it's their sale. Yeah, their big sale. So they do this uh, three times a year. This is one of the three times that they're doing it. And and what's cool is for all of our Mind Pump listeners that already get a 15% discount, this is where they actually let you- uh, Add it on, right? Add it on. And they have stuff that's up to fifty percent off, and so if you oh, got, dude, stock up. Yeah, so if you're if you're already somebody who uses our, the Four Sigmatic products, you love all the stuff that they have. Um, this is a, a great time to stock up on all their product because you get to add your fifteen percent on top of the big sale they're already, and they have stuff running from twenty to fifty percent off on a lot of their products. So. My my, uh, so here's my stack. Uh, here are my Four Sigmatic favorite uh, things to use. I like to use Cordyceps before a long workout. So I'll do cordyceps and I'll mix that with a little bit of caffeine and uh, I notice much more stamina. Cordyceps also has a testosterone boosting effect in men with uh, suppressed testosterone levels. It's an adaptogenic herb or, or mushroom, so it helps the body deal with stress. The other thing I like to use is the reishi at night, a very nice relaxing uh, supplement. And there are times when I combine the reishi with the Organifi, so now we're combining two supplement companies, right? Yeah. Uh, with the Organifi Gold Juice, and that's when I want like the best sleep. When so were good you products? You were on a kick for a while there with the the matcha. When were you using that? Matcha is a because there's some caffeine in it. I'll yeah, use that pre workout. Yes, okay. I'll use that for uh, now. Would for you the caffeine? Would you ever combine the matcha with the cordyceps? Oh yeah. So here's why I like cordyceps. I like cordyceps because it's a non stimulant. Uh, energy boosting type of supplement, but it's not the same as a stimulant. So when you take a stimulant, you get that like wired boost in energy. With cordyceps, you just feel more wakeful. Um, and then when you start your physical activity, you feel you feel like you have more stamina. So it's, it's, it's a... You feel it while you're working out. I, I typically recommend it to the people because, you know, and it's rare, but there, you do meet people that don't drink coffee and they don't like right. that jittery feeling. And so they avoid anything that gives you that that stimulant. So they're, they've avoided all pre-workouts. They don't drink coffee. They don't like anything, Red Bulls, things like that. 
uh, I tell them that like this is a good thing to take before your workout because you'll like the way it makes you feel. It won't give you that. You know, Cordyceps made the news a while ago, and I think it was – I can't remember which Olympics it was. Um, I want to say it was the last one that happened in the U.S., Maybe, but anyway, the Chinese uh, swim team. I do remember this. Was yeah. crushing, mm-hmm. and everybody was like speculating, like what's They're going on. They're starting to attribute it, yeah, because they they all said that they were supplementing with it. They right? said that they were using cordyceps as part of their their protocol, so cordyceps kind of took off. But cordyceps is interesting; it's a fungus that grows on a bug. I believe it's a uh, like a caterpillar well, or something like that. Mush- it's a parasitic fungus. Is that the one that turns them into zombies? I'm not sure if it what? does. Yeah. No, there's there is there's one a like real that. thing, yeah. That'll literally it's it's a parasite that'll control the mind of the insect and make yeah. it do shit to what? propagate. Yeah, some of them do that and then they'll get them to kind of uh go to a high ground so and then it basically presents so, oh, so a, a bird will it. come eat it and then, you know, shit it out and then it'll keep continuing the cycle. Well, you, you know that there's a, I forgot what parasite, is it a parasite that's in cat uh, poop mm. or something in, in cat poop or urine that if mice uh, get infected with it, mice uh, become, they start to lose their fear of cats and get themselves oh, closer go, to cats. Yes, I've heard of that. Yeah. Like it's, like, so it's literally moving. So basically they get high. It's which, getting them to kill, no, it's getting no, them closer go, to, to get killed by the cat. Right, to they consume like aggressively this. go approach them, like so, approach cats. So it's like so LSD they're for They're drawn cats. to cats. I think it's, they're drawn to the cat pee smell. That's it. Yeah. So think about it this way. This is how crazy this is, right? So here's a parasite whose life cycle is to spread to more cats. So one of the strategies is to if it infects a mouse, the mouse then is attracted to cat piss. Therefore, another cat who may not be infected eats this mouse, gets infected, and the cycle goes on. What? How crazy is that? Dude, parasites are, are fucking crazy. Dude, there's crazy organisms. Shit. Well, I'm sure our bacteria fucking controls. I mean, I know, right? You start thinking like that. Well, they find that your gut microbiome can alter, well, besides how you feel, because now they're connecting it to things like depression. Uh, your mood, energy, sex drive, but also your food cravings. So if you like, you have strong sugar cravings or strong carbohydrate cravings or strong cravings for certain types of foods, it might just be your microbiome trying to feed itself, mm. which is kind of a weird thing to think about. Well, that wasn't is. that relationship with fungi and bacteria? Like that's one of those things. Like so, that's how they found, uh, you know, like it. How they discovered like antibiotics and everything else? Oh, with uh, penicillin. Penicillin, penicillin. Yeah, it's yeah. just like that relationship's always been really interesting. They fight each so other. it's like, and that's why they're trying to advocate like ingesting and, and eating more mushrooms to kind of help uh, to to maintain that relationship. Mushrooms between are bacteria. In- interesting. It's an interesting topic. I, I remember when we, when we interviewed um, Taro. Mm-hmm. From Four Sigmatic, really good episode for anybody that has that's curious about mushrooms at all. Because I learned so much. Like when you talk about some of the episodes that we've done, where like I felt like I was just absorbing information the entire hour or two. He was somebody like that was just firing shit that like I'd never even heard before. Dude, it's crazy because I never when I when I've always thought about eating uh, vegetables, I always thought that oh I eat lots of vegetables and, and so mushrooms are a part of that, but they're not their own. No, they're their own category. And um, you'll find in like Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, they use lots of mushrooms. Uh, mushrooms are another category of foods that you probably should consume on a relatively regular basis. They do provide certain things that you don't necessarily find in other foods. So, yeah. It was a really it, cool episode. Yeah, you have to really like, uh, you know, go seek it and, and make sure that's part of your diet too. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Anyway, I'd like to, uh, so Adam. What's oh, up? dude, that, let's talk about this. So it's been announced. What's up, dude? Bro. Da, 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 da. Adam, Adam it's is official. Gonna, is going to be a dad. My sperm work. 
It's official. Dude, can I just say something before you? Because I want you to get into the I whole. Shoot like a little rocket. I want you to get into the whole process, but I, you know, I, I even I told this to to Justin even separately uh, uh, after we found out that um, watching you go through the process of uh, you know you went off all your gear, and I know that part of your motivation. If not, most of the motivation was to so that you could uh, have a child. Right. I mm-hmm. saw how difficult that was for you, and uh, I, and you know I knew that would be tough. You know when you when your body goes from normal testosterone to none, that is a very 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 depressing, difficult thing. Just mentally, it affects your your mental state. But you did it. You stuck to it. Um. And fucking, you're blessed now, man. Yeah. It worked. And, yeah. And I just want to say, I commend you. Yeah. The cr- the crazy good, part. Though to be honest, is you know looking back now, and I'm and I'm glad it all played out the way it did because I uh, we talk on the show all the time about adversity and 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 going through th- those tough times. Those are that's when growth happens. That's and so a lot of growth happened in the last year of you know the torn Achilles and then the low testosterone and the battling with that. And so um, you know I'm I'm grateful for all that. Uh, at the same time, what was crazy was. You know, and a lot of people don't, may not know this on the show, but it's been almost two years that Katrina and I have been unprotected. So we never were really announcing that we were, you know, quote unquote, trying to have a kid, but we most certainly weren't trying to avoid it either. You were just letting things happen. Yeah, we were just letting things happen. We, uh, you know, I wasn't calendar or she wasn't calendaring it and going like, hey, today's. Optimal. So you weren't doing pull yeah. out or anything. You were just, yeah, just full on. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. yeah, okay. yeah. So we, we, that's kind of how we've been for two years. Um, and you know, after, after about a year or so, that was when I decided to come off the testosterone because then I thought it was kind of me. I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh fuck, you know, we've been unprotected for a year now Mm. and she's not pregnant. Maybe it's these, you know, superficial doses of testosterone that I've been running for some time and thought, okay, well, you know, I'll do my part and I'll, I'll come completely off as miserable as I knew that that was going to be, even though it was way more miserable than I would have ever anticipated. And I did. And then that it's been over a year now. I think I'm on 13 or 14 months or more, uh, that I've, I haven't had any synthetic testosterone and that way I scaled down. So, you know, I didn't go from taking, I'm glad you shared that because mm. you, you did try to go completely cold Turkey at one point. Right. And, um, uh, and then I, I ended up talking to one of my doctor friends and they said, no, that's, that's, a, yeah. that can actually be dangerous. You want to slowly scale down. Right. And I, I should clarify too. I didn't go cold Turkey even then, but I didn't, I, I went like a normal cycle where I'd run and then I do a right afterwards, do a four week PCT and then I'm done where, you know, you would talk to your doctor friend and he's like, no, if he's been running for four years consistently, you know, taper it longer. And so then I went and tapered for like six months. So really I had started the process almost, uh, you know, year and a half, two years ago when we, we first started coming down and then I came completely off. Um, but what ends up happening after about a year or so of us, uh, you know, not, not trying and all of a sudden I start going like, fuck man, is there, is there something wrong with me? And she's starting to have the same questions. And so she's kind of going to the doctor and getting checked and everything and getting her blood work. And she's coming in on a regular basis and, you know, they're getting, they're telling her like, you know, Hey, I think you're, you're healthy. You're fine. Everything seems good. And, and so uh, more and more the concern is coming from me. I'm like starting to think like, Oh fuck, we're going to have to go test, test me and see. And then one of the last, uh, and this was back in end of October of last year, 
she goes in and the doctor says, well, we, we have one more thing that we can do. We, you know, all your other, all your uh, blood markers, things like that. You seem fine. You seem <clears throat> healthy. Uh, we don't see any problems uh, with uh, where you're at, but we haven't done an ultrasound to check your equipment. Let's do an ultrasound. Let's see what's going on inside there. If we see anything and they do that and the doctor goes, oh my God, you have a softball size cyst on your ovaries. And she, and he's like, are you not in pain? And she's like, no, I don't have, I haven't felt any pain. I haven't had any problems. And he's all judging by the size of this cyst. You've probably had it for seven to eight years. So pretty much the entire time Katrina and I have been together. And he goes, you know, there's a good chance that your body is getting fooled into thinking that you're already pregnant. And so it's not allowing you to get pregnant. And he goes, you know, we can, we can remove that. I mean, obviously, uh, it's probably a good idea if you're trying to get pregnant. Uh, even though you're not in a pain, we should definitely get rid of it. And so she did. She went and had the surgery. And is uh, that where they do the laser surgery? Is yeah, that okay. yeah. So and she was fucking a lot of pain afterwards. Yeah, that's not that's um, not easy. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. This was right before I took off with her to um, our. So if you look back on my Instagram, you can see the post of her and I at. Um, uh, our, one of our favorite beach resorts that I can't think of right now that's up in Carmel. And it was that weekend, that was the weekend after her surgery. So it was about six, seven days later. And the first time that we had sex after she had removed the cyst. Boom. Bingo, bango. Right away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right away. So, and then <laughs> she, yeah, then she let me know. Now you found, you knew, but you kept it. You didn't tell us for, yeah, uh, for I like did, three months. So, you know, I mean. Which we, I understand. Right. We, yeah. everyone, ever everything that you read, everyone says like you should wait till the first trimester right. is over because of the risk factor of, mm-hmm. of potentially losing the baby in that time. And so we had decided that we weren't going to tell anybody until that. And I didn't, so I didn't know that until we got pregnant. Then I started reading like, oh shit, we're not supposed to even tell. I'm like, fuck, this is crazy. Yeah. I got to go the next two months hanging with the boys and hearing mm-hmm. shit and then not say anything. This is going to be kind of hard. Right. And it was. And the, the biggest challenge that we had was on New Year's. So New Year's, we had scheduled already a week off in Tahoe with her family. And anybody that's been listening to the podcast for a long time knows that I've shared. Her family can drink. Yes. Her entire family is foodies and drinkers. And they get together on a very regular basis. Fuck, we were just together the night before because her niece was in town from New York. And like I said, any excuse, and we were meeting a new boyfriend. So fucking whole family's over, huge dinner, drinks are poured. like party time. Yeah, that's how they roll. And Katrina is like the lead you know, she's pouring the drinks with everybody and she's, I mean, she can drink me under the table. And so we're like, okay, we're going into New Year's with her family for seven days and there is going to be not, as soon as There's we get no there. There's no way, yeah. yeah oh, how are you going to hide had, that? We had to drive a separate truck for the alcohol. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a truck for, <laughs> for the alcohol. Like so just, what did she say to them? You're like, I got the flu. Or, <clears throat> well, what so, so what we agreed agreed upon then was, so we let them know on Christmas. So they actually got to find out, her family found out um, when we were only like, I think on week five. Oh, because you're like, you had to uh, tell yeah. them. Yeah, because we're like, okay, we, we wanted to do something special for all the family members and kind of mm-hmm. tell them because everybody has been waiting. It seems like everybody has been waiting for Katrina and Adam to finally have a kid. Mm. I mean, we've been hearing that shit since the day we got together. And so we knew that everybody was going to be excited. We wanted to make kind of a, a big deal about it for our our family, my mom, her mom, and, and brothers and sisters and shit. 
So we revealed it on Christmas. And what I will do, because uh, I don't, you know, those that know, I don't share a lot of my my personal, personal family life and Katrina and whatever. The forum, I'll share the video that, uh, so I actually recorded the reveal uh, to her family on Christmas, which was really cool. I still we get saw em- that. Yeah, yeah, I get emotional. Really I get cool. emotional yeah, every great. time I see what, it. What, when you found out, because I'm assuming she went and did one of those at-home pregnancy tests. Yeah. What what did it feel like for you? Like what went yeah. through your mind when you found out and you know, what are you thinking? Uh a little bit of relief and excitement at the same time. Like I was relieved because you know, there there was a part of me that, you know, because I was so anti not having a kid up until this point that holy shit, I finally decided I want to and now I can't. Like mm-hmm. how fucking shitty is that? Yeah. You know, because I never said when I was younger in my 20s and, and early 30s, even I, I never said, like, I don't want to have a kid. It's like I didn't want to have a kid now. I've had mm-hmm. personal goals where I wanted to be. And I've I expressed that since day one with Katrina. When she met me, it's like I knew I had my plan. Like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And, you know, hopefully it's you and I. And that's the idea. Right. So there was part of me that was this huge relief of, oh, fuck, you know, like, thank God I can I can have a kid. Like, that would really suck that because I was so adamant about waiting and waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and waiting that all of a sudden, I, then when I decide, okay, it's cool, now I want to, now I can't, like, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. So there was definitely the relief. And then I'm excited, man. I really, um, I, I couldn't be happier about the timing, um, where I'm at in my life, uh, the partner that I chose, um, I'm super pumped, man, to, to raise this kid. And I've, and it's neat too, because I'm watching my two best friends who are going through it right now with their kids. And I've got, of course, a million people when this happens, like everybody's telling you advice, advice. Oh, and not. Yeah. And one of the things that I, and I don't say anything to anybody cause I, I appreciate everything. I appreciate all the books that have been sent my way. I appreciate all the advice. I would never turn any of that away. But I think a lot of people forget and, and, and Trent, uh, uh, Josh Trent dug into this with me when he interviewed me on his podcast way back when. And he said something to me that resonated because I'd never really thought of it like this way. Cause you know, everyone always asks, why haven't you had kids yet? And I really do feel like I've, I've been parenting, uh, most of my life. And of course it's fucking different when it's your child and that love. And I'm not comparing what I've gone through to what it's like to be a parent for anyone else. But you know, I, I'm the oldest of five kids and there's a major gap between my two youngest brothers and sisters was uh, 14 years apart. So I was a teenager when they were babies being born. And, uh, you know, my mom was definitely not one to not leave us with them. Like my mom worked and did things. And so very early on, like I'm, you know, burping the baby, I'm changing diapers, mm-hmm. I'm heating up formula, like, and, and helping raise the, these kids with my, my mother. So I'm very comfortable with all of it. And I'm reminded of that when I see my two best friends who are the opposite, the youngest in the family, boys, they didn't have any, any younger siblings around or cousins. And I can see them with the baby and stuff. I come in and I'm like, Whoa! it's yeah. like, it's easy. so, yeah, it's Grabs like a football, right? It's very, yeah. it's very easy for me. And then I, and I, then we have like Katrina's family, who's a massive family everybody's so excited to be a part of the kids. Family. Yeah, you so, guys are surrounded by a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, a, a lot of help and support. So there's there's no nerves oh, for me. Oh, you just wait till you see me around a baby. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> oh, I love I, them. I, I can I can imagine. So I I'm, I'm I'm excited um and I know that uh I know that we'll do a hell of a job. All I'm, the all the like the the you know what to do that kind of stuff. I mean, you'll learn that and people will teach you and that that's not the hard. I think the hard Stuff is just the emotional stuff that you, you the growth that you get from having a, a child, the way it, it changes your perspective 
mm. of things. I'm sure your perspective of things has already changed, and you have you don't even have a baby. The, the- oh no, that's a good point. Yeah. There's some things that it's pretty funny. We, Katrina and I got into our first little tiff or whatever since then, and um, it's, it was all me for sure. I mean, it's my fault. I uh, I you I feel this urgency. So uh, Katrina and I have uh, you know we've put ourselves in a, a, a nice position where. We have a, a joint account. We have a joint savings account together, uh, and then we also have our separate accounts. You know, her. Uh, we both are make enough money that we can. I don't have to fucking police her finances. She doesn't butt into my finances. We agree that we need X amount to pay our bills, and we have our savings together. And then what else ever doesn't matter. Well, that's when we didn't have anybody to take care of. So mm-hmm. I don't didn't really think about any of that shit. Where I felt that switch over real quick real quick already like the way my brain just works is like all the expenses that are coming up i want to be ahead of things like saving for the kid like just i'm fanatical with that shit and so now i'm like what did you just buy what did we pay for <laughs> you covered what for your mom why yeah, yeah, i don't understand yeah. why we paid for that like yeah and so i would never do that like it's your money go spend it however you want but now it's like now i look at it like no this is all of our money now now i want to know everything and i want to be so i've caught myself kind of doing that but what's awesome about her is that even though there was like a little tiff, and the tiff was probably the way I approached it, uh, she's supportive of all that. I mean, she agrees, and uh, I, I definitely think that that won't be a problem. Yeah, the, the crazy thing for me with my first, because the first is the, you know, that's your first, right? So you kind of have no idea what to expect or, and anticipate. Yes, the unknown. And what was weird to me, what well, actually not weird, is just fascinating, is, you know, right now Katrina's pregnant. She's got the baby inside of her. She's already building a intimate connection yeah, and bond, bond yeah. uh, with the baby. For you, because you love her so so much, you also have this kind of bond. But it's a, it's kind of an abstract thought, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I see your belly growing. I know there's a baby in there, but it's kind of this abstract thing. You don't have a connection, right? A physical connection like she does. You can't hold the baby, touch it. You could just see this growing belly. And so what happened to me when I went through that process was like all that. And then when the baby was born. It was like a, like a ton of bricks hit me. Boom! Yeah. Oh, shit. I have this- This is a real thing. A human yeah. that I'm responsible for. And it was just, it was crazy. And then I remember, and I did this with both my kids, of course, you just watch them. It's really weird. Like, they're sleeping, you're just staring at them. Like, oh my, this is insane. I can't believe I can love something so much. And then you love them more. And then you love them more. And then you get scared- because you love them so much, like all of a sudden, yeah. And this is this is a good thing, I think. It sounds like a scary thing, but it's actually a good thing. I realized how invincible I was before I had kids. Now I'm so vulnerable, but that's also what makes me, a, I think, a better person now. Yeah, you know, and the, and the growth that comes. I from would that. totally agree with that. It definitely brought to light a lot of other factors where it's like you sort of ignore a lot of things and you take a lot more risks in terms of like just with my own health or, or how hard I'm pressing. And, um, you know, like I just start thinking about like what's going on in the world. I was never into politics, you know, <laughs> I was never into like so many things, but now I pay attention because I'm like, how's this going to affect the way he grows up and, you know, and, and his brother and uh, what do these policies mean? And it's like all this shit just like becomes more real. Well, it's your, it's our legacy, right? So yeah. I figure, you know, I'm, I'm only going to be on this earth for another you know, 50 years or so if I'm lucky. Right. And, right. you know, at, at that point, they, they are you, 
moving on, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I, and I already you feel that yep. instantly. I mean, the moment that I know it's coming and then... You're going to make a great, great father. I told you that, uh, I don't know, two months after we started working together. I told you you'd make a great father. Uh, I think Katrina will make a great mother. Are you telling everybody that, that you know the gender? Or are you keeping that like a no, secret? No, no, we told the, we revealed the gender. I actually posted the name yesterday on Instagram, so everybody knows so, now. So, so you're having a boy. Yeah, I was. That was <laughs> that was funny. That was a really oh, fun. bro, this this <laughs> I, the, the gender reveal video you sent. I, was, <laughs> I love the little like yes, like the yeah yeah. yeah. Ah, made up. Well, there was yeah. there was like this the home joke right with Katrina and I that I used to tease her that when we when we were you know trying right or whatever and i would say if you if we have a girl man i'm gonna return it i'm gonna she gets so mad at me don't you say that yeah. don't you say that i'm like you know what i mean you know i would never do that yeah, i would man. love i would love my but there is this there's this part of, and of course i think for me it's probably there's a little bit of a fear i think some men have with with a little girl you know well not only that i, I don't i don't want more than two Okay, so I don't I don't want more than uh, than two kids, uh, for sure, and you know if I had one girl, then there's still then there's a chance I can only I could have another girl, and then I never have a boy to continue and, the what the last the yeah, shaper. and and I think for me with losing my father and the the lack of the relationship I have that, and there's not a lot of Schaefer men in in my family, um, I wanted that really bad, mm. and I and I feel like. I feel like I was responsible for so many years of my life to not have it when I was a child and not raise some shitty kid that I, I needed to grow and be at a place that like I'm going to pour everything into this, this kid. Um, and you know, selfishly there's a part of me that wanted to be rewarded for that. Like I want to give me my boy, you know, give me my boy that I can pass my legacy down to and I could pour everything that I've learned over all these years. And you know, because I was responsible and I didn't pop it out when I was 19 or 20 years old when I probably was still a child myself. I waited till I was a man. And not to say that I don't have a lot to grow and, and a lot more wisdom coming down the road, but I do feel like the place that I'm in right now that I'm going to be a hell of a lot better of a father than had I would have had it when I was 25 or younger. Yeah. So yeah, there's a part of me that like wanted that so bad. And, I, and so if I would have had a girl, I don't think I would have been disappointed. I think I would have loved it no matter what. But the excitement of getting the boy was like, I was fucking pumped. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's cool too when you see when you're you have your kid and then you see like similarities between them and you when you were a kid. Right, right. I'm excited for that. Yeah, that that can be really cool. It's cool because uh, like there's certain things I was insecure about as a kid that I see in my my kid, but I love it in my kid, and yet I was insecure about it, and it actually helped me deal with my own insecurities <laughs> with myself. Like, well. How can I love him for being how I was and hate myself for being that way? That doesn't jive. It doesn't connect. It doesn't make sense. And it helped me deal with my own thing because when you love something so much and realize it's a part of yourself, I think you can connect that to yourself and then start to love yourself in that, in that same way. Right. But I had my kid, you know, I had my, my kid a lot younger, but that's fun. You're in for it, bro. You are in for- It's exciting, man. You are We're in for, for it. Like, uh, of course, all the all the bad shit, like the lack of sleep and worry and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, weather I'm, the storm. Yeah. I'm curious about that because I'm not going to lie, uh, and I haven't said anything about it because I know everybody's waiting to jump all over. I've got my two best friends who they haven't slept in like six months, they claim and shit, and they're just like, oh, just wait, dude. You're going to get <laughs> fucked up. Wait. You might be lucky. You might well, get the Well, yeah, and then, I'm, sleep, then I was talking, so yesterday we had the family parties with that. We had one of our uh, good friends. She's got a um, three-month or a four-month-old right now, 
and baby's just fucking amazing, right? And we're, I'm talking to her and stuff, and I'm like, you know, it's so funny because it's like I see, I feel like there's a 50-50 I see with the kids. And she goes, you know what? She goes, if if your 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 kid will be a reflection of you. And she goes, when I see parents that have the kids that just fucking destroy me, a lot of times it's because they're young, they're nervous, they're, the baby feels that energy. That's the only way they know how to communicate. And so she goes, you and Katrina? She goes, are you kidding me? I, she goes, watch, you're going to have a baby that's so fucking chill. And, I, and I, I believe that. I believe when a baby is really young, like I look at my best friend, and I love my best friend, but he's, I could see him like challenged right now. Like he's, when we go over to see the, the kid, his, his baby daughter, uh, the daughter is so attached to the mom, like you were saying, because that's just natural. They've built that bond, mm-hmm. comes out, and she hoards her. And he's nervous, so he just allows, so he's hands off so much. And so then the baby starts crying. You could even see the way he's like bouncing her and trying to get her to calm down. I'm like, give me the fucking baby, bro. Here, you know, relax. Like, it's not like a, it's not a, it's some people just have, they're, they're, they're learning that. Yeah, like, my, and if you're learning that and you've never learned it, you can't tell me that a baby doesn't feel no, that, you're, same, that you're, same. You're right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. My kids compared to the stories that I've heard of other kids did very, very well. That being said, kids just don't sleep like, right. like adults do. They, they wake up in the middle of the night. during the day. Yeah, yeah. you know, you got you to change your diaper. They're, they're crying. They're, they're very, very, very needy, obviously. They're, they're, right, right. It's a, it's a they're fetus outside of the body. So from a time perspective, you just don't have, you just, a lot of your time is occupied. Yeah. There's things like colic and jaundice and all these yeah. things I had to go through, you know, my kids. And it's just like part of the process, you yeah. know, you just get through it. But I did send, so I sent you guys both two, two videos. One was the, the, you know, the, 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 the documentary on the whole birth process. Right. We watched that. In this country um, and how the C-sections are exploding and whole, and I thought that was just an, such an illuminating documentary and then i sent you another one uh, about uh i think they call it attachment parenting which i thought was really smart and it was it was uh, i think it was dr sears if i'm not mistaken is that mm. is that a familiar name doug was this the article on just how you know back in the days we used to have the babies like attached to us 24 7 yeah what, so you know. so what he says is uh so babies human babies are born way earlier than they should be and the reason for that is because mm. we walk upright the female's uh, pelvis is much narrower, and humans have massive brains, massive heads. So the baby has to be born at, at, at a particular time, otherwise it's not going to come out. So right. it's born and it's totally useless uh, compared to other mammals. Like right. a lot of animals are born, a, a they can ho- walk. A horse or a cow, or it comes out and they're walking they the day, walking, walk, day yeah. one. Right. Yes, yes. Or or or, or like, a, like a little monkey will come out, cling to its mother's fur, and then it's, it's stuck on the mom and she can walk around or she can climb trees and shit. Human babies are totally worthless because they're still a fetus. And so what he, part of the theory is like, look, when these babies, first of all, when babies cry in the middle of the night, for most of human civilization, uh, most of the time we've been on earth, a cry in the middle of the night is a, is a fucking dinner bell for predators. Like if we're all huddled in the, you know, in the cave and we're trying, because sleep is a very vulnerable time for, for, for humans. And there's a lot of nocturnal predators that eat humans. And you don't want a baby to cry in the middle of the night. You might as well just be like, hey, I got food here. It's a helpless little baby that you can eat very easily. So we probably didn't let our babies cry that much. And babies probably didn't cry that much because they were always on mom. Mm-hmm. And so what they would the theory is that the mom would, they, you know, we would create these slings or whatever, which you see in a lot of uh, modern hunter-gatherer societies where these mothers will put the baby in a sling and the baby's just riding on mom all day long. Now, yeah. mom is, is because they're hunter-gatherers, 
is working all day long. So she's out picking, she's doing stuff, she's getting water, she's, you know, uh, preparing things or whatever. The baby's just on mom the whole time. And when they follow these societies, they find that the babies just don't cry that much at all. The baby's there. And when the babies are on mom and they want to eat, they many times they just reach up, grab the, the breasts and feed. And so he's saying this is a much more natural process. There's also, so you can see pictures right there. Yeah. And and so in, in, in modern Western societies, what we've done is we've separated the baby from the mom and that causes a, a type of anxiety because the babies become in sync with the mother. They become in sync with the mother's breathing, the mother's pulse. They find too that uh, there's even some theories to suggest <laughs> that uh, some of these terrible things that happen with babies were like like SIDS, like where SIDS, they yeah. where they just stop breathing. They some people say that the the mother's exhale and the mother's uh, body temperature helps signal the, the baby's body when to breathe. So when you remove the baby, hmm. so that 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 article I sent you guys and then in documentary is all about that. I thought it was absolutely. Do you know who came up with the the cried out theory? Like who who, who popularized that? No, that's a, that's a kind of a Western yeah you know theory where. You, you teach it. Now, here's the other part of it is that you also have to look at uh, life and right and, the adversity that life throws you when you get older. And then the cry, the cry theory, Justin, is like the, you know, teaching the kid to be independent at a very young age. And so they're not so dependent on a mother because it's a different. Well, that's we live in a different civilization. That's true. Now. But what he says, it, what, what they what they talk about is that the first I forgot what it was like year uh, or maybe six months or a year or formidable. After that, then yeah, then then you know you start to teach a little bit more independence. But what I'm talking about is mm -hmm. life also means you want to maintain a good relationship with your spouse. So if baby is strapped to mom 24 hours a day, how is she going to feel about that? How's the relationship going to be? Right. Is it How's realistic? Strain, yeah, the relationship between you and your wife. Yeah, is it realistic? Maybe she has to work and you know all that stuff. So, um, but it, it it was fascinating uh, to 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 look this up and read it and, and stuff like that. I'm so. really curious to see how uh, you know everybody tells me that she'll like change when that happens. We both will, obviously. Um, I'm curious to see because she's in a position where she doesn't have to work and she loves to work. So I'm really curious if that switches over. You know, she was raised if she's by... she's going to not want to work. Anymore. Right, right. I'm just kidding. And, and I'm staying out of that. Um, you know, I have my own personal, what I would you know, selfishly like, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tell my girl that she has to do anything. She can do whatever she wants to do. Um, and I know that she was raised by a mother who worked full time, built a business while she was raising her. And so, you know, Katrina and her looks at her mom like the queen. And so I mm -hmm. think she... Uh, wants that herself too. Um, well, let me ask you this: Do you guys have? Uh, is grandma available? Totally. Okay, so grandma, aunts, are cousins makes like, a huge difference. Yeah. Um, they, you know, one of the, the the theories as to why women go through menopause, where they literally their bodies can no longer become pregnant, is because of the the importance of the role of the grandmother. And uh, many anthropologists think that the grandmother played such a major role that they evolved to not have children anymore so that they could help with the the child rearing of mm -hmm. her daughters and her sons and stuff like that. So that I'm really that's probably one of the things I'm most excited, which makes it even even less fear or uh, reluctancy going into this at all, is that. You know, we literally have uh, her family, my family, all live really close. And oh, they, excellent. They, I mean, and you saw in the video, right? Like just how excited they are to have the kid. I mean, it's going to be like a fighting frenzy over who gets to have him next or have him around, and which is exciting for us as parents because 
Katrina and I do a lot of stuff, you know, and that was one of the things why we waited as long as we did is because, you know, her and I travel a lot and have lived a very selfish life of spending money on ourselves and doing a lot of cool things. And, you know, and she really doesn't want a lot of that to stop. I've told her, like, oh, we'll see. When we have a kid, a lot of this shit's going to slow down. You'll see. And she's like, nah, we've got family. I don't want to stop that stuff. We can, I want to be able to still do a lot That's of- That's a good, healthy mm-hmm. attitude. Right. I'm, so I'm, exci- I'm, I'm excited she has that attitude. She's got that attitude. I'm, I'm all for it. I'll support it if we can make it happen. And she believes that we've got that, that, that family uh, network that wants to be a part of the, the kid's life so much that we will be able to heavily lean on family to be able to, hey, you know, we're going to take off for four or five days. Could you guys watch? Obviously, in the first- you know, year or whatever like that. That's probably not very likely. But as as he gets into one and two and three, well, we got some babysitters in here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very helpful to have family like that. You know, reaching out and getting you out of it. Like, it's just good for your relationship too. Yeah, yeah. we'll no. watch the baby. Yeah, yeah for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. absolutely. Oh, we're we're professionals. No, no. You come I, pick up your little boy, and he'd be like, yeah. I tell you twice. Like, I tell you what. <laughs> if you're a young guy and you're listening right now, my advice to you, and it's it's, I think it's going to pay off very well for me. Is that I do. I have just a an abundance of help and wisdom that's around me being a 37 year old that's finally having a kid that like there I don't have that like I can't imagine being 22 and the first one having the oh kid and like oh, yeah. how I mean you're Just figuring panic. Yeah, yeah you're figuring it out all on your own where it's uh, I don't feel that way at all I think you know what's going to be my biggest headache to be honest is actually shutting everybody the fuck up yeah. Like I think there's gonna be so many people wanting to help and no, wanting that's, to. Their- that's oh, always a, yeah. that's always a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, I could I could already feel especially like- during labor you gotta like push family members you just, out. Oh, I had to go through. You that. just wait, dude, till yeah, yeah, you get the aunts and grandmas. Yeah. Be like, no, 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 I want to be in there. Yeah, no, like, no, I get, you're not allowed. I'm grandma. I can give them candy all the time if I want or whatever. Like, oh, oh my god. Oh yeah. My god. So I am worried about that. that. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's anything that I'm worried about, it's actually that. It's that I'm gonna have so many people that are gonna be wanting to be a part of his life that I'm gonna have to be like, okay. That's a better problem. I can't wait to teach this kid some Italian words. You're, you're gonna pick him up from my house. Hey, what's up, buddy? And he'd be like, "Papa, va fanculo." <laughs> what did he say, Sal? He says he loves you. Don't worry about it. Today's squad is brought to you by Maps Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is a perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Our first question is from J.M. Wardle. Thoughts on the overhead squat? Have you ever incorporated it into your or your client's workouts? How much carryover does it have for traditional back squat or front squat? Oof. Do you know what? I don't know if I have programmed this for a client. I never have. I don't uh, think I have. No. I don't think I've actually programmed for a client. Um, no. I have myself done this uh, and worked towards this. But to be honest, very few people... Uh, have the mobility to perform an overhead squat really well. That's a very difficult oh, exercise very difficult. to do right. It takes a lot. It would take a lot of specialized. And what I mean by specialized is, you know, when I train a client, I'm looking at general improving lots of general mobility, improving lots of general performance. When I'm training an athlete, it's much more specific, right? So, if I have a sprinter, um, you know, I'm working some on general performance, but then I'm working a lot on specific performance to improve their performance in the sprint. Hmm. 
an overhead squat would require a lot of specific type of training to get someone to the point to be able to perform mm. uh, that movement safely. So if I took the average client, I'd, I'd have to first get them through all the general stuff, and then I'd have to really focus on specifically getting them to do an overhead squat. Not that I'm not saying it's not impossible. Yeah. It's definitely possible with a healthy person. It's just uh, I don't know how much carryover or how much benefit they they would necessarily yeah, get from it. I'm just as a coach always evaluating risk versus reward, and I think that's this is along those lines of like, okay, does it have that kind of carryover you're looking for to attribute towards you know performance on the field? Um, are there other alternatives that might lower the risk in terms of injuring my athlete or, or promoting uh, you know problems further down the road? And so for me, like I kind of, I, I flirted with the idea of teaching this to some, uh, athletes, but really I didn't see a whole lot of, uh, reward from that particular exercise other than somebody trying to learn an overhead snatch. And that was, I didn't have any clients that really were trying to pursue that very specific skill. Um, other than that, cause even if I am, there's lots of reward from, uh, promoting like a power movement and Olympic lift, like a, like an overhead snatch, but you can do that with, you know, a dumbbell or a kettlebell or something else that, you know, you, you, the risk factor goes way down. With well, that. I, I do want to say that if you, if you have the mobility, which an overhead squat, I mean, requires incredible ankle mobility, incredible hip mobility, incredible shoulder, incredible thoracic mobility, like you kind of have to have it all. You have it's, to have a really good pa complete package. Yeah. The entire kinetic chain is is stabilized on command. Right. So if you do have all that, I think it's a great move to incorporate in your programming. So if I did have somebody, like let's say I got um, like a 17-year-old, probably a young teenager that's an athlete and that has incredible mobility, let's say I have, even though that they're actually hard to find even these days. But let's say I have someone like that. What I like about the move is that if you were to keep it into your routine when you already have that really good healthy mobility, it'll help promote that mobility and keeping that mobility for a long time because it's kind of like um, I, I posted a video of me doing the band pull, apart, pull aparts, but I do it in a deep squat. Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't start there. I had to work on the ankle mobility. I had to work on the hip mobility. You had to be able to sit in the squat. For right. Yeah. I had to be able to sit in the squat. So now that I can sit in the squat, now what's kind of cool is I can work on my thoracic mobility. At the same time, I'm promoting good ankle mobility and hip mobility because I've worked on that so much all in one move. So somebody just asked about this, uh, asked about that exercise, and that's why I do that, is now I don't have to spend... I used to have to spend 10 minutes on combat stretch, spend 10, 15 minutes on the 90, 90. But now that I've done all the work to get reconnected to all those muscles and to improve my mobility, now I can actually go into a single move like that. And that that's my warm up. Now. Yeah. That would be like the pinnacle example of like your entire body is supported and mobile. Like that, that, that would be like something where I could show off, like I put in all the work shoulder mobility wise, you know, thoracic mobility wise, you know, hips, you know, ankles, like the entire chain is solid and, right. I, and I can perform this exercise. Yeah, the, the big, the big benefits I can see from this movement are being able to maintain uh, strong stability in your entire body as you're squatting, being able to connect good hip and ankle mobility to good thoracic and shoulder mobility. Because I get a lot of benefits from doing overhead carries. Now I'm walking, I'm not squatting. So if mm -hmm. I take a kettlebell or I've done this with a barbell too, where I'll press a barbell up above my head, hold it real steady, maintain good tension, 
and then do a very careful braced walk. I get mm. lots of uh, benefit in my shoulders, in my upper back. I've actually noticed muscle growth and strength as a result of maintaining that that end uh, range of motion tension. Part of the reason being, you know, I trained so long, uh, like a you know, like bodybuilder style, where I didn't even lock out with my dumbbells, or I wouldn't focus on that. So now I'm focusing on that that part of the rep that I don't n- normally focus on, and that's all I'm focusing on while I'm moving. But a squat while holding a weight above your head now connects. The lower half of your body challenges that mobility at the same time as your upper body. I, I mean, I'm in the firm well, belief that if, if you can do something well, then it's okay to do and it's perfectly safe. And if you want to maintain that ability to do it, you need to practice it. So to the example that Adam gave of the 17-year-old kid that's fit and athletic and can do this, if they want to keep it, then you got to keep practicing it. Because I will say this, it'll go away if you don't. If you don't practice this movement – you won't be able to do this movement forever. It's it's a, it's a challenging exercise, and it requires lots of practice. Yeah, even then, and I I fully agree with the overhead carries, like which I perform all the time to be able to maintain those abilities. But I do those with independent like tools, so dumbbells or kettlebells versus a fixed bar, because you know as I'm walking over, like one is going to affect the other, mm-hmm. and you know just that little bit of torsion. Uh, could really fuck your back up, yes, and so it's it, that's like a, a whole another level of extreme where I I don't do like overhead walks with 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 a, a barbell. Here's a good replacement if you lie if you if the sound of stabilizing your shoulder and your upper back along with you know working on some hip mobility, so working the upper body in a, in a tension position while working the lower body through a full range of motion. If that attracts you and you like that challenge. Uh, but you've never done any type of an overhead squat type movement. Here's a here's a good replacement that you could do uh, pretty much anywhere. Hold a kettlebell or a dumbbell above your head with one arm and then do some walking lunges. Start really, really light. Start with a really, really light weight, um, you know, five or 10 pounds. Just maintain that tension. Keep everything real straight and strong. And then do some walking lunges going forward and back and then switch arms and practice that and you'll get a lot of the you'll get some similar benefits not nearly as challenging as an overhead squat uh but you will get some challenge start there and then if you want to take it another level then you grab a barbell and now you do walking lunges with a barbell and then if you want to take it to the next level now you hold the dumbbell above your head and try and squat and then you can progress to the barbell and then of course all in between is all the mobility work all the handcuffs with rotation exercises, the combat stretch, all the you know the the prone cobra uh, movements, the loosening exercises, yeah. the dynamic warm ups, the priming. practicing it constantly with you know like a dowel bar and, over and, your head and creating your own internal tension. And take your time because even my even myself, you know, I think okay, I know what to do with my body. I was practicing exercises like windmills and overhead carries mainly because I, I need to work on that type of mobility. And I, I went a little too far too fast, and I caused shoulder impingement issues on my right shoulder. I had to back way the fuck off. Couldn't do anything like that for a couple months. And then that set me back, and I had to get back into it. And so it's an easy pitfall to get in where you well, challenge just, yourself too I fast. I just think, too, when I if I were to just walk into almost any gym, grab 10 random people, and have them perform a squat for me, just a basic barbell squat – 
I mean, what do you think? What do you think of those ten people? How many of them would actually be able to perform a barbell? Sport? Ten random people? Yeah, random people. I don't even think one would. do Yeah, it right. I mean, it fuck. Depends on the gym. It, it depends. Right, right. And really, though, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's rare that you even find somebody who's got just. I mean, when I see it, I actually will will either one walk over and say something like yeah, I will. It's I will, rare. I'll compliment somebody in the gym. I'll take my headphones off, walk over to someone if I see a beautiful squat. It's mm-hmm. just rare. It's a very hard thing to get in a very deep squatted position and no have no breakdown in the kinetic. How funny chain. is that too? Because it's such a it's such a fundamental human movement, but because we don't do it ever. Right. Like think about everyday life. When do you do a full squat? You don't. The the, the closest you get is when you sit down on the toilet right. or in a chair, um, and that's not that's not even a full squat. So you just never do it. You never do it. Yeah. Now take that. And multiply it times a hundred, or maybe even a thousand, and now you have the overhead squat. Like, that's literally yeah. the that's literally the, the the difference in difficulty of uh, of uh, application is a a regular barbell squat. If that's a ten, then an overhead squat is a hundred or a thousand in terms of difficulty. Okay. Just Exponential that much initial risk factors. Definitely. The next question is from the real Mad Mason. What are your go to techniques? to elicit long-term behavior change in clients. I like the way it's worded. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're, as a trainer, um, I learned this, it took me a while to learn this as a trainer, by the way. This wasn't something that you learn in your certification classes or it's kind of something you learn through experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're really doing, if you really want to help that person, is you're trying to change their behaviors, their permanent behaviors. That's what you're trying to change. So think of any permanent behavior that you have yourself, and now imagine if you changed it completely for the rest of your life. Is that going to be easy? Of course not. It's a very, very, very difficult thing to do. And so the big mistake I would do in the beginning as a trainer, my first years as a trainer, would be I had the answers. So, okay, you want to lose weight? I know exactly what you need to do to lose weight, and it's as easy as doing what I have to tell you. Just follow my direction, and you'll lose weight, and then we win, and you succeed. And that didn't happen. You know, sometimes I'd get clients that would do exactly what I told them and they would lose weight, but there were no permanent behavior changes. And so they would end up going right back to where they were before. Um, And then a lot of times people didn't even do exactly what I said because it literally would include completely changing their diet, throwing in three to four days a week of exercise, changing how you sleep, like all these major changes all at once, which humans just... We don't change our, our fundamental behaviors long-term that way. It just doesn't work. No. Really, there's, there's really two ways that people will make a fundamental change in how they behave. One way is through the epiphany process, which is extremely rare. This is an extremely rare process. So I'll give you an example of how an epiphany might actually happen for someone. Let's say you're a, a man in your 50s. And you're, you know, working hard and you've got some kids and they're young and you got a wife at home and you're real stressed and yeah, you know, you need to work out and yeah, you know, you need to change your diet, but whatever, I'm just trying to bust my ass. And then you get a fucking heart attack and you wake up in the hospital and everybody's around you and the doctor's like, you were, you were within inches of losing your life and never being able to see your family again. That might be enough of an impetus. And it's something, many times it's not by the way, but that example might be enough of an impetus for somebody to look and be like, yeah. that's it. Course I, I almost lost my family. Yeah. I need to make major changes and that's it. I'll never go back again. And that's even that, that's extremely, extremely rare. So don't 
that will not happen with your clients. You are not going to give your client a fucking epiphany. I don't care how motivating and charismatic you are or how, <laughs> how awesome smart. you are. Yeah, they're going to find it themselves. You're just not going to do that for them. It ain't going to happen. So forget that. The other way that humans make fundamental long-term behavior changes is the way that most of the changes that we make happen, which is a little bit at a time. There's and it's, the key. It's one step that is challenging but realistic, and then you stick to that, and then that becomes a new behavior change, and then you move to the next one, and then that becomes a realistic and challenging, but then it's realistic, and then you do that one. And what happens through that process, it, what you'll notice with your clients is they build confidence the entire time. So whereas in the beginning it was, okay, let's avoid soda on Tuesdays, and then the next thing becomes, okay, now you're going to avoid soda every day, and then the next thing becomes, cool, now you're yeah. not eating processed sugar. And before you know it, your client starts taking bigger and bigger steps, but this process takes years. It's yeah. the bottom line. The real game of it is to to see like what you can get them to adopt and then retain. And so whatever concept I'm throwing at them, like it has to be it has to be realistic. It has to be something that's very um, very simple to where it's, it's, it's not, I'm not overbearing them with, with a ton of different, uh, objectives. Like uh, I had to learn that process because like what is on paper and what, where we want to go and, uh, all these different types of goals that we want to accomplish are definitely, you know, valid. And that's something that we can all shoot for, but to get you there, like when it comes to experience and training people over and over, you start to realize like what has had the most impact and has been the most subtle uh, thing that I could provide this 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 client for them to be able to really understand it on their own and like come to the conclusions themselves. It's like, how do I teach them something that they're like, it changes the way they think to where they're like, wow, and it clicks. And now we can get further and dive deeper and go as we as we uh, get into this. But like, really, it's 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 trying to plant the seed to let them really come to this understanding themselves. I think we underestimate how how challenging it is to get someone to change a behavior. I mean, and I think that was the like to Sal's point while why it took me so long to even figure this out because like you I have the answers. You know, if you want to get shredded, if you want to build muscle, you want to lose a bunch you of You give fat. them a diet plan. Yeah, <laughs> I I pro I know your weight, I know what you're doing. Okay, if you follow this this food that I tell you to eat, you do it. And the the challenging part as a trainer, and I think why I failed for so long is because a lot of clients want that. That's what they tell you. They say, just tell me what I need to do, Adam. Just tell me. They get mad when you don't give them a diet plan. Uh, oh, that was my biggest my biggest fight for for many years when I stopped giving meal plans was I don't want to track or I don't want to do. I just want you to tell me what to do. And it became something that was mandatory. In fact, yesterday I got a text message from uh, an old client, a uh, friend of mine that I've helped out before um, with coaching. And she's at, she knows how busy we are with Mind Pump and everything. She, I know she listens to the show. And she goes, uh, she goes, you know, could you, I'm, I'm really trying to get back into the swing of things. Could you recommend somebody else for me who, who will coach like you and I? And I'm like, oh, I said, well, I said, I tell you what, I said, I'm not really helping anybody right now. Um, you know, what are you thinking? How long when you want to start this and that? She told me all that stuff. And I said, okay. I said, well, you know what I'm going to tell you to do first, right? Doesn't fucking matter that I know you. We've done this a million times before. What am I going to tell you to do first? And she's like, okay, I'll, I'll start tracking, right? And so, and the reason why that is, even somebody who I know, and I know her kind of habits, I don't know, I haven't seen her in over a year, 
I don't know what new behaviors, new habits, where she's at in her life right now, and I need to see that. And once I see that, the, the mistake that I used to make as a trainer before is, okay, this person's eating like shit. They're all over the board and all these things. Here's the perfect meal plan. Like, mm-hmm. no, absolutely not. Now it looks like this. I look at everything, all the shit she's fucking up, and I pick one thing, one thing that I want to try and improve, whether that be getting more fruit in the diet and more fiber or reducing the amount of processed sugar, like Sal said, or increasing the protein intake or getting enough healthy fats. Like, I'm going to pick one fucking thing. And I'm going to drill that home. Like, okay, this is what we're going to, your first week, you know, keep doing what we're doing. But now what I want you to do is every day I want you to have, you know, one cup of blueberries and strawberries and raspberries, something so basic and simple for her. Yeah. One of your, one of your big jobs as a, as a trainer or coach or fitness professional is to help your client, uh, set their expectations. Uh, and that's huge. See, I used I fucked up in the beginning because I, you know, I, I'm I'm able to really set someone's expectations, right? So the client comes to me, and I I would sell them. I'd be like, look, you you hire me, you do what I say, and you're gonna lose the weight. Follow my lead, and you're gonna get where you want. People be like, yeah, that's what I fucking want. And so they I, I'd set their expectations. They'd follow what I did. They lose weight, but then of course they'd fall off. They gain the weight back, and because the behaviors didn't change, and they didn't feel shitty about themselves, which makes things worse. Later on, I realized I could. I could take all that energy and I could focus on changing their expectations in a way that's really uh, going to benefit them in the long term. So now, then what I would do is I'd get clients that come to me like, I want to lose 30 pounds in three months. And I'd sit down and have a conversation with them. And I'd tell them what we're talking about right now. Look, you know, we could do this the fast way. We could do this the, the, the forever way. So let's talk about the forever way. This is what it looks like. Now, here's what it's going to look like in terms of results. It's going to take you a long time. You're not going to get the results you want right away, but they're going to be permanent. And you're not going to have to keep hiring a trainer. You're not going to have to keep, you know, getting on a new diet. You're not going to have to keep hating on yourself because we're going to do this in the permanent way. And so expect to not lose a pound for a little while. Expect for the workouts to be mild for a little while. I'm not, don't expect yourself to come to the gym five days a week from zero. Right now, two days a week is two times more than you're doing before. We're going to stick with that. And trust me, that's going to be challenging. Not Maybe not for the first month or two because you feel like you're so hyped and motivated right now. But I guarantee you four, five, six months from now, shit's going to pop up. And that two days a week is going to be difficult to stick to. But it's realistic. That's what we're going to start with. And I would set their expectations in this way. And then I would have them focus on the small wins. You know? Yeah, you're not losing. You don't lose 10 pounds. However, you're squatting five more pounds than you were two weeks ago. You're able to do a push-up. You couldn't do a push-up before. Hey, your sleep is a lot better now. Look at your hair. Look how you feel. Then I'd get people who would come to me and say, you know, I went to a work event the other day and I hadn't seen some of these uh, co-workers in a long time. And they all complimented me and said I looked really good. I haven't lost a single pound on the scale though. It's really weird. But people were asking me like what I've been doing. Like, well, you're healthier. Your health shows. And people would change their expectations and start to celebrate those small wins. And then here's what ends up happening. Because when I truly figured this out as a personal trainer, this is when I'd have clients who would train with me for, at this point now, clients are training with me for 10, 12 years. If I was training today, they'd still be with me. I had clients that were with me for 15 years. 15 years straight. Now, the, the training changed, of course. It would start off with three days a week, then to two days a week, then one days a week, then one every other week, just to kind of keep them, you know, meeting with me. But these people became extremely consistent. And that, and now I still stay in contact with them 
and they're still working out. They're still consistent. It has now become a part of their life. Um, but here's the kicker. Some of these people didn't lose their 30 pounds or whatever for three years. I had one guy that took him three years to lose 35 pounds, but it never came back. That's the hardest part, though. Is the hardest part, I think, as a trainer is to to handle the clients and then them constantly like nagging you about that. I used to give this analogy. Like I used to first I get my clients to agree that the foundation and the framing of a house is the most important part of a house, right? So if we're building your dream mansion, your dream home, you know, can we agree that the the foundation that the house is going to be built on and the framework of that house is by far the most important piece of it. Not the chandelier. Sustaining sustaining forever, right? And then I say, you know, when you keep asking me about when we're going to lose these three pounds or when you're going to look like this girl that you brought a picture in or whatever, then you keep doing that. You sound like the person. I'm over here and I'm, you know, scraping the concrete and I'm making sure it's fucking perfect. And you're over here talking to me about the fucking curtains in the second bedroom. Like we're not even there yet. And we can talk about that all you want. If you want to stop what we're doing here and put all of our energy and focus on that, we can go buy all the coolest curtains in the world. But none of that shit matters if you don't lay the foundation and you don't build the framework mm-hmm. correctly. And your body is no different. Like we have to lay this solid foundation and take our time on that. If we're going to take our time on anything, it's that. Yep. Like let's take our time on on really making sure that we have a solid foundation. And then you know what? Once you got that, man, you can switch your goals up. Tell me you want to jump higher. Tell me you want to run faster. Tell me you want to look like a bikini model. Tell me you want to, you know, lift about 500 pounds off the floor. Tell me whatever else you want. Then we can spend all the time in the world chasing after all these cool goals because you get it because we've laid our solid foundation but we got to do that first yeah i think trainers need to realize that the the reason why you're we're there's an obesity epidemic the reason why there's a health epidemic the reason why fitness uh and mobility is so terrible in people is because modern lifestyles uh, promote that and it's it's your lifestyle this is how you have a 30 year old person in front of you a 20 year old a 40 year old 50 year old person in front of you that's how they've been living. The reason why they look the way they do and the feel the way they feel the way they do is because that is their life. And what you're literally trying to do, so I want to put it in perspective, is you're trying to get them to completely change yeah. how they live. Good luck. That isn't going to happen tomorrow. No, because right now they think about it as adding. They're they're adding something in that's going to help them, you know, get better. And they're not thinking about changing their patterns, their lifestyle, their behaviors. No, no that I don't. Takes a lot I, of time. I don't give a shit how motivating and inspiring and charismatic. Look, I can stand toe to toe with the most charismatic motherfuckers on earth, and I'll tell you something right now: all the charisma in the world and all the motivation in the world isn't going to get someone to instantly change lifelong behaviors forever. It's just not going to happen. It's a long process. Set the stage, make sure you set those expectations and coach them through that process. It's a slow process, but if you do it right, you will change lives for reals. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Barbell Scott. If you build muscle with a certain type of training volume, do you need to keep that volume of training to maintain that muscle? Good question. It is. You know, it's funny. So when I was uh, younger, if I laid off training intensity or diet uh boy would i lose muscle fast i mean it would it would be hard for me to stay above 190 pounds mm-hmm. um now because i've built this muscle and i've had it for so long keeping it's pretty fucking easy to be quite honest mm-hmm. I, I don't have to fight to keep it i have to fight to build more but i don't have to really fight to keep it and so what i'm starting to realize is that you know getting there takes a lot more work uh-huh. and effort staying there 
not as much work and effort after a certain point, right? If not, I don't mean you get there and then all of a sudden like, oh, I'm here and I can fuck off. Which thank God, because I mean, think about how much time and effort it took to like really build yourself up to like a frame where you're like, yeah, I got, I got some good amount of muscle on me. Like, imagine if now like every single workout was dependent on you <laughs> yeah. killing like this volume or this amount of work that you constantly had to uphold to and. That, that's what gives me comfort, actually. Like, I can go, I can scale down a bit, and I'm going to be okay, and I can ramp it back up. And, you know, there's actually ways to improve and then build upon what I've built. But like you said, it's it's once you get there, like, maintaining it isn't as challenging as, you know, the previous. Years ago, um, when I had my my studio, this there was this, I, my studio used to be next to um, uh, breakfast place, real popular breakfast place in Los Gatos. And so I'd see people going in and out all the time. It was a really great location because a lot of times I'd poach clients who'd be waiting for their breakfast. In fact, pro bodybuilders, a few of them would eat there. Uh, it's pretty funny. I met Phil Heath a couple times. But anyway, there was this old guy who I was Saturday morning, breakfast place is popping. I'm training a client. And this old guy walks in and uh, he's kind of looking around while I'm training my client. Now, I love, you guys know I love uh, people in advanced age. I, wish I just have a thing for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, in between like sets. Granny porn. Uh, no. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Don't go that far. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, to, I'm not. <laughs> so I walk over to, to this guy, and what stood out, he's wearing a T-shirt, and he had these little fucking meaty-ass little forearms. He's a small guy. He was like 5'7". He had these meaty-ass little forearms. And I'm looking, and I, I go to talk to him, and he has this really thick, um, Russian accent, and he's like, "Oh, you, you know, kettlebell." He's like, "You know, how much does this weigh?" And I told him, "You know, it was seventy-eight pounds." And he's like, "How many kilos?" And so I did the math for him. So he's like, "Oh," and he fucking grabs his kettlebell, and he presses it with one arm above his head, and he puts Boom. it back down. Yeah, he's got these muscular forms. Then he pulls his shirt up and he flexes his bicep, and he's got this like little gun, you know, this little. And I'm like, "Holy shit!" So I became friends with this guy, and he came in. He would come in a couple times, and what? Some at one point, I had some time to sit down and talk with him. So I'm like, so like, how often do you work out? He's like, oh, I, I haven't worked out in years. I'm like, what? He goes, I was an Olympic lifter, uh, for the for the Soviet Union. This guy was in his uh, his late 70s, and what blew me away was the amount of muscle that he kept yeah. on his body. Obviously, because he trained for for so 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 long, and this is when I first. Uh, started to read about hyperplasia. Um, muscle hyperplasia, yeah. and this is where, you know, when you when you build a muscle, it's called hypertrophy. A muscle fiber grows, but then there's also something called hyperplasia, where you actually create new muscle fibers. And the theory goes that you know if you stop being active, your muscle fibers shrink back down, they atrophy. But when you build new muscle fibers, they never go away. They'll atrophy, but they'll never go away. And I think that's kind of what I've experienced now that I've worked out for so long is that there's always a certain amount of muscle now that I I'll be able to keep. I definitely yeah. agree and think that. Um, although I will say that, I mean, my body, uh, I definitely fluctuate a lot. The positive is that I know that when I ramp the volume back up, I, I get back to that place that I was at, that I worked so hard to get to for so Fast. many years, a yeah. lot faster. But I definitely can relate to somebody who, you know, training high volume, dialed in nutritionally, feel great about yourself, and then you stop training for six months or whatever, and it feels like all of it goes away. Like, you definitely will feel like that, especially when in you're in your first five years of training. And then you're, what I notice is after five, and then 10, and then 15 plus years of training, 
it starts to get easier and easier. Because, and I attribute that to the hyperplasia. When you look at somebody like uh, Ben Pakolsky, like what a great example. The guy was trying to <laughs> not get rid of right, muscle. He's trying to lose muscle. He was eating such a low calorie diet. He was he had it, the frequency of his training was down extremely and low. He was like 70, 80 pounds lighter than he was before. Right. Still extremely muscular. Right. You couldn't tell. Still, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, still looks like a pro bodybuilder. You know, like but is training to lose that muscle. So there's there's definitely something to be said about when you've put the time under the iron and you've been doing it for a really long time that you do start to uh, you know, build or add more muscle fibers and then therefore even when they shrink and go down, you still look... It takes a long time though. Like, right, like, it's important to say that though. Like, it takes very years long, of training. Yeah, no, very, yeah. very, very, very long time. Yeah. That's, what I'm, that's why I wanted to make that clear that because if you're somebody who's in their first five years of training and you know you finally start to get some headway you hit a new marker as far as size wise or whatever and then you lay off and then you go right back to square one like that's fucking normal dude mm-hmm. i mean I've, i felt that way for sure for at least the first five years and then about 10 years in i felt like okay when i fall off now i looked like the better version of me when my first five years new set point yeah there's a new set point and so i think that that needle just and it's you know for somebody who's going to the gym every day year after year like it's a slow grind but the positive side is that absolutely, I think over years and years, I, right now I'm uh, training some of the lowest volume I've trained in probably 15 years. This is uh, the amount of volume that I'm training right now is extremely low. Um, but my physique is, I have way more muscle than I had, you know, 10 years ago at my peak. So my body right now, even as 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 crappy as it's gone in the last year, is still significantly better than what it was 10 years ago you know maybe not in my peak but 10 years ago in training and dieting and feeling pretty good like i still you know, got more muscle here's another thing too um and i'll tell a story to kind of <laughs> illustrate this i remember as a kid um i was under the belief that more is better when it came to training and so i remember at one point i was doing 20 sets uh, per body part, per workout. I was doing crazy amounts of volume. I was working out twice a day. I'd work out before going to school. Then I'd go to school. I'd come home and I'd work out again. And then I remember reading about a style of training. Um, at the time, it was called Heavy Duty. It's a, a book written by Mike Menser Dude. where you do one set to failure per body part and that's it. And it's way, 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 way less volume. <clears throat> Um, now I switched to that style of training and I built muscle. I actually gained uh, five pounds and so I, I gained it so fast that I became a disciple of heavy duty way too long than I should have. Of course, it stopped working, but I stuck to it way too long, but I became like this hardcore disciple of it. And so, and I've experienced that time and I've experienced that with clients where clients will come. Look, Doug is a good example. When Doug was my client, he didn't come to me as a complete beginner. He'd worked out for years and years and done all these super high volume workouts. When he worked out with me, he was working out twice a week, but he was hitting PRs and strength and muscle. So sometimes reducing your volume actually builds more muscle. If you're doing too much, then cutting it down, you'll get better results. So it's not a, you know, cause I know we talk a lot about increasing the volume has become more fit and all that stuff. And it also needs to be appropriate. And many times, especially with the, and this isn't common for most people. Most people just don't work out enough. Mm. But a lot of the hardcore fitness fanatics and, you know, people addicted to exercise, a lot of those people, when they hire me to coach them, one of the first things I tell them is, okay, you're doing too much. Let's cut that way that way back. And then they report back to me like, holy shit, I'm stronger. I'm hitting new PRs. I'm building more muscles. Like you were just doing too much, just too much. So sometimes reducing the volume is actually better for building muscle. 
Next question is from Snow LVR. When meeting with a potential client, what is the best way to close them? And then they went on to say they're a rookie trainer and not so good at uh, closing. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> yeah. You, you, um, when you have a potential client, I'm assuming first and foremost, you're, ta- you're obviously a trainer and you're talking about um, you're doing a, an assessment. Um, and that's how you're, that's, that's the process of, they're talking about closing them because, and I want to be clear, uh, when I used to coach trainers on how to get clients, I would always tell them when you first meet someone on the floor, your job, your goal is not to sell them personal training right there. Your goal is to get them to want to come and see you for an assessment in a free session. That's when you have the time to sell them the training. Only the absolute best and absolute greatest uh, salespeople in the world are the people that tend to sell training off the floor, and most people aren't there. And so I always tell them, make sure you get them on to, to, to schedule a workout with you, and then in the workout, that's when you get to talk to them about, about training and get them to buy hire you as a trainer. Um, when you're doing the assessment, you, the, the, the first half of that assessment is listening. Mm-hmm. You, you want to ask a lot of questions. You want to ask them about, of course, what their goals are and their history. You want to ask them about their commitment level. That's an important one. Um, people tend to not want to go back on what they just told you earlier. So if somebody tells you on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 9. I really want to do this. This is something that's really important to me. The odds that later on in the conversation they're going to tell you, ah, I don't know if I want to do this, is actually much lower. People hate to do that. So it's a really good way to get that person to make that commitment. Ask them about how many days a week they can work out realistically. Um, that automatically overcomes the whole, I don't know if I could make it to the gym type of ob- objection. Ask them if there's anything preventing them from you know, getting to their goals. Um, go through all these different things. Then take them out on the workout floor and show them some value. And the way you show them value is you show them value by doing the exercise with them, correcting form, making them feel good. But that's not enough. That's not enough. You also have to talk about what they've just witnessed and make sure that they agree that they're getting some value from it. And, and, and it's not because you're tricking them. It's because people are very unaware. They're, they're not in their bodies, most people. So if I take somebody and we do a whole goal assessment and we talk about their goals and all that stuff and I take them out and I look at them and I say, okay, looks like you have some forward shoulder. I'll explain what that is because I'm not going to assume they know what that means. And I'm going to say, here's a great exercise to fix that. We're going to do the exercise. I'm going to put them through the movement. Can you feel where that's working? Can you feel your shoulders loosen up? We put the bar back, have them stand up. How does your posture feel? Wow, I feel so much better. Now I'm going to make sure they really understand it. So I'm going to say something like, can you see how doing an exercise like that or working with exercise like that can fix this problem? Can you see how that will take away some of the neck tension you've been feeling? And they'll say yes. And that's the whole process of that goal assessment, getting them to understand and talk about the value. Then you take them back, you present to them and prescribe to them your training, make sure you give them more than one option, and you recommend one of them, but leave it open and make a, make a decision for themselves. Really, it's that simple. It really mm-hmm. is. If, if you follow that process, you should find that people who book an assessment with you, at least half, if not more than half of the people will end up saying yes to, to hiring you for some, yeah. some period of amount of time. I fully agree with the assessment as being a valuable part of that process. And mainly for me, um, I try to get outside of the desk. So where we meet and we sit and we chat, uh, that's great. But I always found the most effective way to get somebody interested and hooked and uh, was to just start moving and to for me to, to, to really listen 
and and prod them with questions that were open-ended to where I could get them to keep talking. Like my goal is to get them to talk almost the entire time is so that way it's, it's building up um, my understanding of, of uh, really why they're there and, and, and what it is that they're trying to accomplish where they're at in life. Like what, what, what they want from the experience. Um, but also, you know, you, you do want to have them have that sense of authority in terms of like, you know what you're talking about. And so you'll throw in every now and then like, you know, Sal will bring up a, an example of like a postural issue that you can sort of highlight by uh, taking them through a specific type of movement or an exercise. Um, it just creates a dialogue between, you know, you and the client and you can, it further helps them to understand that there is, you know, some, some immediate things that you can help them improve. And, but also like start to now take what they've told you, bring it back to sit down and kind of further the conversation of, um, how I can really help you, uh, achieve what it is that you're, you're trying to do. And, and, um, I've just found that uh, the more I can get them to talk, the the easier the close becomes like at the end. And so that's like a, you just sort of take notes mentally if you have to. Sometimes I'll write things down, especially during the assessment process to kind of reiterate. Um, but like the, the most effective ones have always been like if I can get on a level where I relate uh, to where like I'm not I'm not t- talking over them. I'm not like using like a whole lot of fancy words like i'm just trying to to be like look this is going to be great for you you're gonna have a fun time doing it um and then it's just it's it's an assumptive after that i'll see you tomorrow you know mm-hmm. sort of thing and then like let's draw this up and give a big hug and then yeah and then we kiss <laughs> Pat <on> every time <laughs> i i love this shit man this is this was like one of my favorite parts um in being in the profession and the part that i liked was I liked uh, helping the trainers get good at this. And it's funny, I think the the most common thing is they lack the confidence. Oh gosh, that, mm-hmm. so much. If I could if I could trainers take, hate to ask everything. for the money. They it hate is. to ask that's for the sale. Everything. And when what I would tell them and this is what I'd say, I'd say, "You know what's so crazy?" And I, everybody has got probably a doctor appointment story within the last year or two when you had to go see the doctor. I said, your doctor has the uh, the best closing skills ever and you don't realize it. I said, so let's pick apart exactly your last experience in the doctor's office. You went in because you had some fucking cough or your strep throat or fucking some growth on your foot or some weird shit, right? You go in, you make your appointment, just like they would make an assessment appointment with you as a personal trainer. Nurse comes in first. What does she do? She sticks that weird doohickey in your ear. She opens your mouth up. Make, uh, you do that. Then they fucking hit the little thing on your knee and see you got the reflexes. You don't even know what the fuck she's doing it for. You have no idea. Like, why are they doing all this? I have a sore throat, but I'm doing this thing in my this ear. Is light in my eyeball. Right, right. They, but they, this is part of their assessment. She's she's doing. It. You don't ask questions. You just fucking do it. Your clients the same way. They walk in. You do a squat assessment. You think they know what the fuck a squat assessment is? Do you think they know what upper cross syndrome or lower cross syndrome? They don't know what the fuck that is. That your job is just to do that. You're doing an assessment. You're what you're, you're doing what you're supposed to. Then the doctor comes in like big swinging dick the last five minutes. And he just, he goes, okay, I want you to do this, take this, do this, do that. And then he hands you prescription. And what the fuck do you do? You don't ask any questions. Maybe you ask some questions. How often should I do that? Or how long? Or where do I get my refill? Or whatever, some bullshit like that. But you don't question what he tells you to do. You just fucking do it and you leave, right? You got to get that level of confidence 
with however you're presenting. So I don't care what you're presenting or what you're telling these clients. You've got to learn to to be confident in in what you're saying. And if you do, it's it'll transfer into that person. And it really is that easy. Yeah, the nobody ho- wants to hire a, a trainer that's not confident yeah. about what right. they're doing. The questions right. themselves. So what I used to tell trainers is, you know, stick to the things that you're confident in. Okay. Or if you're not really, really good at being able to look at every imbalance and then talk real deep about it and understand you don't you're still learning all the muscles and so well then don't get, go crazy like that, you know? Go take them and kind of to Justin's point in styles, show them one or two things on the floor that you know they're going to feel and you can tell a difference. And then when you get back to the desk and you sit down, explain to them, give them an idea of how long it should take Mm -hmm. to correct these things or, you know, so, and and I like telling trainers that you stick to the easy shit, right? Like everybody you're going to see is going to have upper crossing. Everybody's going to have rounded shoulders and forward head. So, okay. Learn that shit. Understand what that is, okay? What muscles are tight because of it? What ones are underactive? What exercises we should do to correct that? And then understand that that doesn't happen overnight. That It takes four to six to eight to 10 weeks long to do that. And, and then wrap that into your prescription of what you're doing. So I go, okay, you know, I know, Susie, you came in and you want to lose 15 pounds. Well, that's actually the easiest part of everything I'm going to teach you and do. I mean, once we dial your nutrition in, once we set all your program out, your training correctly, the pounds are going to come off. The big thing that I'm concerned about and that I want to address along the way of reaching your goals is this upper cross syndrome because this is going to cause problems later on for you. This, if you don't already deal with back pain or shoulder pain or neck pain, that's because we're not in good alignment. And what I want to do is not only do I want to get you to your goal, but I also want to address these imbalances in your body so that not only do you get to your goal, but you also feel better. And so this is what we're going to do. In the first month, I'm going to see you one or two times a week. We're going to be addressing all these movements. We're going to be working on your nutrition. And then we're going to go to the second month. The second month, we're going to be working on... Now you're ex- prescribing. Yes. I'm prescribing mm-hmm. to you what we're going to be doing. And then the closing question literally is this. Now, Susie, my clients do this. They either, one, they want to see me one time a week, they want to see me two time a week, or they want to see me three time a week. And the way they decide on that, of course, finances are, are, are an issue for some people, and so they can't afford to go three times. So if that's the case, we can only do one time a week if you like. Ideally, most people are somewhere between two and three. And the way I tell them to choose that is based off of this. If you're the type of person where you're like, Adam, tell me what to do, I'll execute, I'll follow, you're probably somebody that only needs me one time a week. Now, if you're somebody who knows you need accountability, you know you've tried this before and you failed before and you haven't done it, and you're somebody who needs that constant attention and you also don't want to take any risk or fuck anything up, you're probably somebody who needs to see me three times a week. Now, out of those three, which one of those ones do you think you are, Susie? And, and then shut your mouth. And shut your mouth. Yeah, and it's, it's important. too. You know, yeah. something we're kind of, two things we're kind of, you know, glazed over. First off, the reason why it's to love teaching trainers this more than teaching salespeople. It's because salespeople uh, expect to have to sell. Trainers never expect to have to sell. It's like the biggest hurdle yeah. with trainers is that like, I, I just want to train people. There's a massive disconnect. Yeah, there. I just want to train people. I, I just want to help people. I don't want to sell anything. That's a dirty word. It's like, no, you well, sell every second yeah, you're in the gym. Yeah, who the fuck are you going to train then, buddy? You know, you're yeah. going to work out by yourself. You have to learn how to communicate these things. I also like to help that person. So, if, And this is what I would do. And I don't know if you're working in a big box gym where you have a boss and hopefully or somebody who has got good skills in closing. And this is how I'd ease my trainer into it. I say, listen, you, you, you better know how to at least get on there and show people exercises and be, better be able to tell them, 
you know, what's wrong or not wrong with their body. I mean, if not, you need to keep reading and learning so you can at least do that. And then what I want you to do is tell them what you're going to be doing with them for the next two or three months. Don't talk about money. Turn it right over to me and you can sit your ass down and listen to me talk about money because it's not a big fucking deal. We all work for it. We all use it. It's just a way of we exchange for services. This person obviously is sitting in front of you because they need something. I'll be the one to ask for money if you're too scared to do it. And then I allow the trainer. Sit in and watch. Yeah, to watch me ask for the money. And it, it is that simple. And if you do a really good job of assessing them and pointing out the things that they need help with and then prescribing what you're going to do. And don't freak out on this part. So I used to do an exercise. I used to tell trainers, I say, okay, give me a common thing that you've heard. You know, so a client says they want to work on this, that their flabby arms are fat tire or something. I'll go fat tire. Okay. We're, I have a fat tire program for you. And then I would write fat tire real big down the, down the side of a piece of paper and say, the first month is F and we're going to be focusing on the frequency of your training. And I, what I would do, and the point of this, I would never sell somebody on this, but the point was to teach the trainer that I could roll with whatever gets thrown at me and I could prescribe something for that, that program. And so I would lay out, you know, F is for frequency and then I don't know, a day, A is for adaptation or whatever. And I would go through and I would, I would come up with a term for that Jeez, then i would dynamic yeah then it's i would tickling right fast. and then and then i would tell that i would tell them what we would be doing in that month and what we'd be focusing on and so it was just a, a, a way to practice prescribing what you as a trainer do you know all the things that you provide for these clients learn how to wrap it in a prescription on how what you're going to be mm. doing paint that picture for them very clearly and then when it comes to asking them for the money the best thing to do is to give them options, like I said, the one time, the two time, or the three time a week. Let and them then, pick. And then yeah. shut your mouth. Yeah, and, and, and practice makes perfect. So I recommend that you find your other trainer buddies or friends Prezo. and have them pretend to be yes. a potential client and practice and practice and practice because you will get better. You will suck. Keep making first. calls, man. Yep. That's the thing. Always and, be on the phone getting new leads. And the other thing, too, is uh, uh, you know we talk about sitting down at the desk, asking them questions, leaving, going out to the workout floor, coming back to the desk. That's very important. Okay, It's much harder to sell someone anything standing up on the workout floor, and it's going to be very difficult to bring them back to the desk if they weren't at the desk to start with. Because here's what ends up happening. I, used to, I remember I used to see trainers doing this. They'd meet a client at the de at the front desk. Oh, hi, Susie. Boom. They take him out on the workout floor. Then at the end, they try and walk him back to the desk. What do you think the client's thinking? Oh, here we go. Now you're going to sell. But if you start out at the desk and then you leave and then you go back, it's much, much more friendly. It's not as bad. Look, at the end of the day, here's the thing. Remember this. If you could get that person sitting across from you to understand what you understand about fitness – to understand about the changes that they're going to make in their lives with fitness and how life-changing they truly are, if you can get them to understand those things, will anybody ever really say no to yeah. you? If you're really that passionate about helping them, they'll feel it. They, they, nobody will ever say no. I used to, you know, think about it this way. Look, it's all about perceived value. If you know, if I was selling a a pencil for you know a hundred thousand dollars, I would never sell a single pencil. If that was a house in Silicon Valley. I'd have people bidding. There'd be bidding wars over it. Same amount of money. All of a sudden, people have $100,000 to spend. If you're selling a package of training for $900, $1,000, $3,000, and they really understand what you know about fitness, 
they're going to do it. It'll make sense and they'll find the value. So that's really what sales is all about, is communicating effectively, getting that person to understand what you understand about fitness, to understand the real changes that they're going to experience and the true value that they're going to get out of it. And believe me, more often than not, you're not going to get the, the objection where people say, I don't have enough money to invest in my health. Uh, look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download any of our guides for free. We've got tons of guides on there. Didn't you write a good one on how to be a great trainer too? Uh, I did actually. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I did write uh, on how to basically build a business as a personal trainer. And a lot of the sales uh, techniques and how to talk to people is in that guide. And it's free. You can find it again at mindpumpfree.com. And you can also find our own personal social media Instagram pages with our own unique content. Uh, Justin can be found at Mind Pump Justin. My page is Mind Pump Sal, and Adam is Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at MindPumpMedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, and Maps Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.